one of the reasons that especially the local coverage has been so bad is that so one of our main outlets here is the Atlanta Journal Constitution or the AJC, and they are owned by this company called Cox Enterprises. And the CEO of mm. Cox Enterprises is leading the fundraising campaign for $60 million for Cop City. And so our media wow. is literally owned by the people who are trying to build Cop City. everybody what's going on welcome to the habituation room show my name is francesca fiorentini i am the host of said show so good to have you here so glad you press play um while you were doing the dishes you know what i'm saying because sometimes uh you need a little company can't be alone never alone no silence ever gotta have a friend with me uh we're working on that song uh but uh really excited to have Two new guests for the first time. Uh, Akela Lacey, po- politics reporter of The Intercept, is here. We're going to talk about, yes, Representative Omar being booted from the House Foreign Affairs Committee and, you know, just Islamophobia generally, but what's going on with that and um, how Democrats did or did not step up for her in years prior. Um, very interested in her take, as well as um, looking at the head dem, Hakeem Jeffries, and his grandstanding, his just planting his flag on the this socialism vote is BS. The point is, it's a story about a socialism vote. I, I could have done that better. The point is, that's what we're going to talk about. Also, activist Micah Herskind is here, who is going to talk to us about Cop City in Atlanta and the murder of Manuel Tehran, something that has not been spoken about much in mainstream media, if at all. Um, What happened? What is going down there? And what are new developments in terms of Cop City and the ongoing building of it? Um, Turns out news today looks like it might have not gone through the proper channels, that there was public comment. Nobody was heard. No one was listened to. So um, Micah will join us, uh, who has been on the front lines of this fight as well as um, Manuel, who, who was, again, straight murdered. So um, not not really ripe for humor, but really, really important we talk about this one, guys. And of course, the Chinese spy balloon, y'all. You know, 99 Chinese spy balloons. Gotta talk about it in the room. Um, second song we're going to workshop. And uh, of course, if you're here, like and share this stream right now. Subscribe if you're not subscribed on YouTube. Uh, subscribe on Twitch to get that ad-free, sweet, sweet content uninterrupted and support the show. And of course, you can become a patron, patreon.com slash room to get access to every bonus episode, not just of this episode, but of prior episodes. And today, if you become a patron, patreon.com slash room, you can hear me talk more about Two horrible things that I think we that's very indicative of this moment we're living in, which is um, Massachusetts prisoners being offered uh, a lightening of their sentence if they donate an organ. You got to wonder if it's like, you know, if it's a kidney, is it like a year? But if it's like, you know, something useless, is it like bone marrow? It's like less. Arguably, I think bone marrow would be more. We'll talk about it. Also. A, uh, a bioethicist 
which I just learned was the thing, is floating the idea of using brain-dead women as surrogates. That's right. This can all be yours for the low, low monthly price of $5 a month. Even $2 a month gets you access to all of that sunshining news that I will be discussing. And I'll tell you about the time I saw a dead body or many dead bodies, in fact, lying in a field. It's not as weird as it sounds. Um, and of course, if you don't want to be a patron, but you want to just tip this show, you want to give a one-time donation, TBR-Live on Venmo, TBR-Live on Cash App. But if I can just plug the Patreon one more time, I want to give everyone a heads up that in March, things are going to be changing around here. So we're going to have the most bonus episode, the bonusest of the bone, the bonerest of the bonus episodes, but not like that. So stay tuned. Change is coming in March. It's very exciting. I am super stoked already. I can't even wait. Um, but yes, until that time, let us get our bitch caps on, y'all. <laughs> this is What Are You Bitching About? All right. Trigger warning for the people who don't like children. I have a four-month-old. She just turned four today. And she's wonderful. She's doing pretty good, I think. Although, of course, I'm like constantly worried about everything and I'm anxious all the time. But um, I had a pediatrician appointment, her four-month checkup. And uh, thankfully, she does qualify for Medi-Cal. I won't get into the absurdity of qualifying or not qualifying for Medi-Cal. Uh, because if you have just minimal amounts more income, you suddenly cannot qualify, in which case you get strapped with crazy bills, in which case you put you below the poverty line to get medic. The whole thing, it, again, we understand it's an MC Escher painting of healthcare. That's not what I'm bitching about. But I am bitching about the fact that we get to the appointment, right? It is prime nap time for my daughter. And I'm like really trying to get, you know, stick her to a schedule so, you know, we can all sleep better. Get to the appointment. It's 45 minutes of waiting and paperwork because you guys know the paperwork is like you can't do this online are you crazy no 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 you have to be in the waiting room your kid has to be like nodding off but not able to sleep then crying then you gotta whip out a tit you know and then after 30 minutes of paperwork, you got 15 more minutes of waiting. Then you get to the, you know, the nurse, you get it in the back. Then you have to wait another 10 minutes. So then you got to spend time just like looking at the ceiling lights for a while. By this time, she is like in well, complete, like, you know, uh, uh, just, just like, like her brain is like, I'm so tired. You know, she's, what, what is it when you, when you're like, just too, you're overtired, right? Um, she's wired. That's what it is. She's super wired. The doctor comes in and she's like, hi, hi, hi. And like, no offense. I'm sure she's tired. It's fine. But the pediatrician's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, well, she's a, she got a thing. Yeah, that's normal. Yeah, there's a little bit of eczema. And I, well, yeah, yeah. And like, meanwhile, I'm an asshole because I'm like, shit, shit, shit. Did I, I didn't write down my questions. I don't have any. Uh, you can't remember all your fucking questions that you have for the doctor. By the time it's done, which is one, two, three, four, about five to seven minutes of a doctor's visit, She's gone. Your baby's mad. And what did they do? Oh, they made sure that her hips are moving right. You know, the hips don't lie and babies. So we got to make sure. What are you fucking doing? You're taking the temperature. I can take a temperature. I can move her hips. And so it all makes me it, what I think we do in the States is we say, 
God, these doctor's appointments are so worthless. I'm not going to go to them anymore. That's what we do. They're worthless. They're expensive. I'm not going to go to them anymore. When the reality is they're great. They should last longer. You should know your doctor. And my God, can they come to your house? And I asked Paige, our lovely producer, I wonder what the research is in other countries where they have socialized medicine, right? Where there is much more of a robust healthcare system, a public healthcare system where they understand uh, how critical that early care is. Let's let's not even go into the uh, uh, infant mortality rate of this country, which is something like 70% higher than in other comparable countries. Insane. Paige found that in Sweden, their child health care program offered to all children with a total of 17 appointments from birth to age five. And during the child's first year, two of these appointments are carried out as home visits. And if there is a special need, extra home visits are offered. You're goddamn right. They come to your fucking house and they're like, what's up? I'm going to spend like an hour here. Where are they sleeping? Are, what are they eating? What is their schedule? What's the nap? Can I alleviate some of that anxiety? But no, instead, we have to pay for it. You either pay for a doula to help you out. You pay for a lactation consultant to help you out. All this shit. And then I looked it up. I was like, do we get house calls in the United States anymore? And guess what they're doing? You called it. They're fucking rolling out the Uber of medicine. So yeah, you can get a doctor to come to your house, right? Except it's going to cost you $100. If you have insurance, maybe it'll be the copay will be 30 or 40, but they're like, you know, and my, you know, sad, sorry state ass is just like, okay, what am I, should I sign up for this app so you can come visit me? And I don't know. You know, we feast on the carcass of late stage capitalism and our own inequality, y'all. That is what we do in this country and we rebrand it as innovation, and it's not innovation. It is healthcare, basic and simple. And I know you're like, oh, it's a lot of time to go visit door to door. Yeah, but if, no, because there's so many ways it could not be as time consuming. Obviously, if we don't strap doctors with that much medical debt, or excuse me, student debt from their from medical school, that's number one. Don't you think that would encourage people to go into the field? I could talk about this forever. I'm sweating in this shirt that I got from a Goodwill. Clearly belonged to an old woman who was probably as cantankerous as I am. So uh, if you're listening as a podcast, it's a chill shirt. You know, I, I could I pass it off. You know what I'm saying? Um, it was like $3. With that said, <laughs> What are you bitching about in the comments? Let me know and I'll read it out at the end of the show. But I want to bring in to get her perspective on what she is going off about these days. Um, politics reporter for The Intercept. Uh, if you haven't read her work, you're messing up. She writes about money, politics, and criminal justice. Please welcome Akela Lacey. Hey. Akela. Hello. How are you? Oh, I'm perfectly normal. How are you? <laughs> oh, you know, just hanging in there in the early days of the decline of our great empire. <laughs> yes, exactly. Ah, oh, when was it great? When was it great? <laughs> oh God. I know the only thing I can think when I get real down is like, at least 
were not in the Reagan years. Like just like Reagan was worse. Reagan was worse. It's bad. But th- those years must have sucked. <laughs> really? I go back to like the Middle Ages. I'm like, oh, yeah. It <laughs> totally. Yeah. You're like, but no, I mean, we're there. We're I mean, if Galileo. Can you imagine discovering like the theory of gravity? nowadays they'd be like it's fucking q magic hang him you know like that would be it'd be over is that what he discovered or was it i (laughs) anyway whatever hang him (laughs) hang him hang him um akela what are you bitching about today um i there's many things that i could bitch about but uh unfortunately or unfortunately george santos was the first thing that came to mind so i'll just bitch about him but um apparently the house is the house ethics committee is officially investigating him as of today um it only took them a month <laughs> into the session to they're decide finally they doing do it what they're was- finally doing it but i mean my take on this whole thing and you know i am not a totally neutral source because i have reported on him but like a, a source on the hill was complaining to me that like you you know you reporters like give too much attention to george santos like there's too much attention on him and (laughs) i i sort of actually i sort of agree with him but i also feel like there's like obviously if you don't report on him then we're not doing our jobs but i do it did bring me to just a thought about my new conspiracy theory which is that he's basically just a plant so that republicans can distract from the fact that they aren't doing anything and that their one and only strategy is to sow chaos. Yes. Um, oh, so- he's definitely an op. It's too, it's too rich. It's too, but that's the thing is that don't you feel like a kill? I feel like uh, covering DC, the way you do covering politics, the, the actual reality of conspiracy theories is that there is no grand conspiracy. People are just dumb that yeah. they're just <laughs> that stupid. Like, yeah. it's like, oh, the Democrats, you know, got together and they fucking tanked Bernie. No, they, I mean, yes, but also they're dumb or, or like, you know, they it just they're stupid. Like once you see it from the inside, you're like, no, there's no conspiracy. They're just very, very like not with it anyway sorry yeah and i mean people are everyone's just acting in their own interests it's not right. like yeah there's no there's no grand council sitting behind you know the dais telling them what to do which i mean maybe it would be better if there were <laughs> sometimes i wish there were so they're gonna <laughs> finally do you, so what what's your prediction they're gonna investigate him i'm, I'm they're gonna, not gonna fi- i mean yeah they're not gonna <laughs> they're like we've checked it out and yes he has lied about everything and we'll take him. Yeah, wait, I have the quote here. McCarthy said, like, where is it? He said, <laughs> quote, ethics is moving through. And if ethics finds something, we'll take action. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they have to dig real deep to find anything. So who's left on the ethics committee? Like, is this just Bobert and a tumbleweed? Like, I'm not even sure what he's talking about. He's been saying this for a long time too. Like if there's something there, it's like, do you not read the news? There's been something there every single day with your boy. Yeah. He may or may not be laundering money for a foreign agency. You know, we have no idea. I'm sure they'll find, I'm sure they'll make up some reason that they can't like get 
enough information to like make you know make any sort of decision but obviously i mean even if they could you know a republican controlled ethics committee is not going to do much even a democratically controlled ethics committee i'm not sure that they would do a whole lot sure. in this scenario because i mean it's a really high bar to remove someone from office so looks like we're stuck with him i mean it's kind of hilarious honestly i kind of appreciate well, that's why I mean, he might be an he might be like an agent but an agent for like you know joy like someone who's like <laughs> you know what Kayla needs bing like we just need something funny to report on like and make him a drag queen like you yeah. know and he's objectively you- hilarious <laughs> objectively <laughs> it's very entertaining but but say more about the like because we tried to cover this but like it gets lost because it's the least fun aspect of George Santos, but that he did receive money from someone who's like, what, the cousin of a Russian oligarch or something like this? Yeah, so I actually have spoken to, his name is Andy Introtter. He's like a major Republican donor. I've actually spoken to him um, and he's done a couple of interviews with the Times and stuff that basically, you know, his his side of the story is he was, he was a victim of George Santos. This is what he says. Um, he had <laughs> okay. no idea what was going on. Um, and honestly, I mean, I, I'm not necessarily saying he, he didn't know anything about this guy, but I think this actually goes to the beginning of our conversation, which is that there's so much money and influence flying around Washington that there isn't always a nefarious, you know, uh, aim behind yeah. some of the reasons that people support this guy. Like this guy has so much money. It doesn't really matter, you know, where it's, he gives to people all over the country. He gives to Republican candidates and Democrats, um, because that's just the system that we live in. Um, and you know, he, you know, allegedly lost a lot of money in the investment that he made in, in Santos's previous company and yada, yada, yada. But he also happened to be cousins with, um, a Russian billionaire, um, who he, you know, says is not, um, you know, is we not totally really, not, don't speak anymore. Oh has my no, God. no, you know, no communication with Putin. Um, but I, I mean, yeah, I think that is that that whole angle, that whole piece of this story is interesting, obviously, because we're focused on Russia and Ukraine right now. We're always focused on Russia. Um, but I think like it is even it is also interesting that there the way that we've allowed money to completely control the political circus sort of just lends itself to um, people getting people, you know, throwing their money around and they have no idea who they're giving it to, which I think right. is also an indictment in itself. I'm not saying, you know, he's he's clean of, of any wrongdoing, but I think that just speaks to the system that we've that we've allowed ourselves to to fall into. Totally. He was just a vessel. I mean, honestly, yeah. I think that and again, I am I was bitching about this before we even went live. But I have a lot of thoughts on, you know, Russia's influence in our electoral process and in our, our, you know, and the amount of obviously other dark money that comes in. But I think it's the same thing. It's like it's not necessarily that Republicans are sitting down with like Putin's henchmen and planning shit. It's they're buying. They're paying. They are the, the Russian money is just fucking there. It was there in the Trump years and the Trump campaign, and it's still there with the GOP. And guess what? They're going to take it. And if it means we soft pedal a little bit on Ukraine or we change the, you know, the last time the GOP had a platform, which was, you know, we changed the language around Ukraine. So be it, you know, and it's it is insidious. It's terrible. Um, but it's just like, hey, they're willing to shell out the money. Um, and into empty vessels like George fucking Santos. So for me, I'm like, yeah, they're not going to find anything. 
if they because they don't really want to dig into Santos because if they dig into him, I mean, screw the volleyball, <laughs> the drag shows, the like, you know, the veterans dog who was swindled out of a life <laughs> like um i forgot about that right like it's just oh it's God. endless but but it's the money right it's the money that's probably going to hurt the most they don't want this guy in trotter or whatever his name is um yeah. outed yeah i mean yeah i it's it's a whole i i don't know if i can curse on the show but it's a whole cluster of ken uh of a cluster fuck of of just people literally people have so much money that they don't know what to do with and they they don't care what they do with it really and i think that is yeah i think that's really at the core of it but yeah so i i will be on the edge of my seat waiting to hear what this ethics committee finds out about this guy um yeah, I can't imagine. I So this is the only time I've ever wanted to go back. I moved, left D.C. right before COVID. I used to work from there. This is the only time I've ever been compelled to to want to go back and run around just, the Capitol and chase these people around. Get just that so I can see this Santos. guy. <laughs> yeah. Yo, did you see, did, I'm sorry, last thing. Did you see him? Like, I forgot who he was being interviewed by, but recently, and he's just like, it's like, oh, what kind of business do you do? And he's like, well, we did like money business and financial uh, business money and you're like what like he like didn't know what kind of like company he actually ran he could not yeah. answer that yeah yeah so i just yeah i i definitely i would oh my god i watched the shit out of a kayla lazy george santos interview um <laughs> anyway uh we gotta move on but before we do copernicus uh was the person who discovered gravity i should know that i've got a bit about that and yes i thought it was isaac newton wow i don't know anything <laughs> copernicus was gravity and and your boy galileo was the earth revolves around the sun yes um treason absolute treasonous <laughs> Marjorie would be very upset. Um, the Marjorie Taylor Green of that time. Uh, anyway, let's get into the week. A few things that I noted. Uh, this was the week where, in honor of Black History Month, the mayor of Miami introduced an Afrocentric red, green, and black <laughs> police cruiser, y'all. Yes, that's right. Oh, yeah. The police have gone woke. All right? And there's only thing, one thing left to do. Abolish the police. That's it. That's it. They've gone woke. Ban the police. Um, a staffer has accused Representative George Santos or Anthony DeVolder of unwanted advances, saying that he touched his thigh and insinuated sex. Look, I know this is bad, but after <laughs> lying so much, I have to say he's now legitimately doing the work of a real Republican. All right. You know, <laughs> you know what they say. Grope for the job you want. Uh, Florida High School Athletic Association is considering requiring young female athletes to answer questions about their menstrual cycle, likely another anti-trans move. If they're not bleeding, then the Florida Athletic Association will immediately know to give them a scholarship, sponsorships, ad revenue, and fund their sport of choice for the foreseeable future, and everything will be great. Um, also in Florida, the College Board has officially changed their AP African American Studies curriculum by purging Black and feminist authors such as Kimberly Crenshaw, Bell Hooks, ta Coates, basically anyone who discusses intersectionality. The right, if you didn't know this, they don't believe in intersectionality, not even when it comes to like actual intersections. Intersections are just woke traffic. We all know this. Uh, I have to say, though, the only time you should be afraid of intersectionality is if you meet 19-year-old Francesca, who will talk your ear off about it 
and then shame you for wearing leather. I was very into the term and still am. For everything else, (laughs) someone's got to do it. For everything else, this is the week where. Okay, so this was the week where House Republicans decided to get down to important business, not keeping people in their homes or helping people afford food or health care or their meds, not raising the minimum wage. No, no, no. Not helping survive the crushing inequities of late stage capitalism, but by passing resolution to denounce the horrors of socialism. That's right. Socialism, the ultimate thought crime in America. Um, It is obviously political theater and Democratic minority leader Hakeem Jeffries forcefully spoke out against this desperate attempt by Republicans. Let's hear what the great honorable Representative Jeffries had to say. They've called things like social security, socialism, Medicare, socialism. Extreme MAGA Republicans have called public education, socialism, Medicaid, socialism, the Affordable Care Act, socialism, the American Rescue Plan, socialism. So the American people should not be fooled by anything that takes place on the floor today with respect to this so-called resolution on socialism. Thank you, Representative Jeffries. Wow, see, that's a really important point. You know, it is, all of those programs have been called socialism by the right before, then they were passed, now they're wildly popular, even though Republicans try to, you know, chip away at them, privatize them. So I'm so glad he stood up for that. And, and, and you know, the vote came down and sadly the it passed and so, The House decried the horrors of socialism in a vote that was 328 to 86, which means, wait a minute, (laughs) I guess that means, wow, Democrats voted for this bill, 109 Democrats. That's incredible. But of course, surely Hakeem Jeffries was in the no side of that, standing up against this political theater, as he said, of calling anything socialism. And oh, my God, he voted yes. (laughs) oh my god this motherfucker (laughs) Hakeem Jeffries um voted uh yes on the socialism bill and uh that is all you need to know about Hakeem Jeffries right there Akela your thoughts (laughs) on what the hell this whole Uh. vote was about and why like, does he think we're not watching? Does he think we, like, don't pay attention to any of this stuff? First of all, if you say the word socialism, like, a million millennials will just, like, flock to you and be like, oh, my God, hi, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, this is this is one of the, the many conundrums of Hawking Jeffries, which is that he touts himself as, you know, a progressive leader. He's, you know, been vying for this... Um, his leadership position, you know, for, for years at this point. Um, and, you know, progressives and Democrats sort of lauded his, uh, his election to this leadership position as an opportunity for him to, you know, meet, meet, meet minds with progressives and sort of, you know, uh, paper over many of the splits that they've had, um, you know, whether it's his, uh, his former staffers, like, or actually he, him aggressively tweeting um, about how progressives are going to get killed in, in primary elections or, you know, 
um, him being opposed to the Green New Deal, you know, what any of these things. Um, and unfortunately, we've seen the complete opposite, which I don't think anyone who's been paying attention would be surprised by. I mean, this was this vote happened on the same day that uh, and I know we'll get into this in a little bit, so I don't want to preempt the Omar, the Ilhan Omar discussion. But um, this is the same day that you see him um, talking down a member of his own caucus after Republicans attacked her to the point that she was removed from the House Foreign Affairs Committee, where she was arguably the most progressive voice on that committee, talking about uh, U.S. Uh, role in human rights abuses around the world. So this is the person um, who is now the face of the Democratic Party. And realistically, he is uh, an extension of the status quo that we've seen you know, for, for years, despite all of his hemming and hawing about, about the, how progressive he is. And I think this vote is just another data point in uh, that my ongoing analysis of Hakeem Jeffries, which is that he constantly says one thing and, and does another um, yes. to save his own uh, his own political career. So I mean, right? Like, why <laughs> take, why why even take that vote? To me, it's so you can you can stand up against the ridiculous attack ads that, that are going to come after you. Is saying like Hakeem Jeffries loves socialism. Nicolas right. Maduro is his best friend and they play basketball together. You're like Hakeem Jeffries actually like helped the Khmer Rouge in Cambodia. Like what? You know, like there's going to be, you know, and it's just so he can say, no, I did vote to condemn it. Right. The dumbest waste of time um, condemning something like, again, it's this phantom menace in the minds of Republicans. And here you have Jeffries yeah, grandstanding about it in his, like, I'm going to spell out what I'm saying way and also rhyme a lot, which is fun to imitate. But there's not much else there. Yeah, I mean, he uh, this is the, I mean, this is also a larger problem with the Democratic Party, which is that instead of calling Republican straw men what they are, the party can't get itself together to make a cohesive argument to debunk these attacks. And instead, they constantly put themselves on the defensive so that they can say, oh, well, you were wrong because I actually voted against this. But in reality, in the long run, they're losing the war of ideas by conceding that this is even a problem um, yes. and playing the game on, on Republicans' turf, which is the reason that we, I mean, well, I, I don't want to make the connection all the way to Trump, but you can make the argument that that's how we ended up with Trump. So, oh, I mean, effectively, yeah. I mean, I do think there there's absolutely an argument that if you don't have a captivating counter narrative to fascist strongmen, you will get fash, you know, strong man. I mean, that's I remember John Stewart saying this, you know, uh, very astutely saying something like, you know, you're going to get demagogued if you continually futz around the edges of the status quo and you don't really offer anybody anything you're going to get demagogued at some point and this is a perfect opportunity if it is symbolic if it means nothing then what's the harm in standing up against it and saying this is actually a waste of our time and i'm not going to vote for your dumb bill because that validates that it that you're that it is even based in any reality and it's not we don't need right. to denounce the horrors of socialism and of course the reality is we need a little bit more socialism coming out of a pandemic where we don't have universal health care and people are still strapped with medical debt, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So anyway, it, that leads us into, yes, what happened later that day uh, <laughs> or that same day where the House voted to remove Representative Ilhan Omar from her spot on the House Foreign Relations Committee, where she'd been serving for four years. 
was doing evil things, guys, like, uh, you know, questioning the U.S.'s bottomless money pit for Saudi Arabia's war on Yemen and Israel's occupation of the West Bank and Gaza. And also, oh, yeah, being Muslim. That was that was obviously one of the evil things. Um, this was led by Republican Representative Max Miller of Ohio. And um, it's pretty clear that she's being punished for a tweet that a couple like three years ago, I believe, or four years ago, 2019. Yeah. Where she tweeted something like, it's all about the Benjamins in reference to the Israeli lobbying group, APAC, um, which is very much all about the Benjamins, just like any PAC is. Um, and apparently she was playing into anti-Semitic tropes about Jews and money, and she apologized for it. Let's just review. There were, and you've you've gone over this, there were two House resolutions condemning her statements and anti-Semitism, two of them on the same goddamn day. Um, she had to apologize for it. And then they also, oh, they added, this was fun. They added a little like, uh, and Islamophobia were against in addition to anti-Semitism as like a kind of a, oh, right. I guess this is all about all hate and bigotry. Um, but here's what Jeffries had to say. Even when Republicans removed her from her position, this is, this is how he defended her. Omar certainly has made mistakes. She has used anti-Semitic tropes that were clearly and unequivocally condemned by House Democrats. Yes, yeah, see, we dragged her first. And in a way they did. <laughs> A great article on this for The Intercept about Democrats paving the way for this moment of booting, ousting Ilhan Omar. Yeah. So, I mean, Kevin McCarthy was, before he was even in a leadership position, before Ilhan Omar had even been in Congress for a week, was calling along with, you know, Lee Zeldin and Steve Scalise, all like our favorite Republican characters, for her to be kicked off of this committee. Um, simply because she is a Muslim brown woman who has the balls to criticize Israel um, yep. for human rights abuses against Palestinians. So that let's let's just remember that that's the context that this is all happening in. Um, Democrats, I believe at the time it was um, you know our the 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 man who single handedly stopped Biden from passing uh, the bulk of his agenda in for his first year in office, Josh Gothheimer and Elaine Loria, who uh, lost her reelection um, because of defund the police. I'm, I'm kidding. I don't know why she lost her election, but <laughs> right, they, right. People who wrote this scathing letter calling on House leadership to denounce Ilhan Omar for these comments. Um, and then, as you you mentioned, I mean, so so the House votes to send to to you know rebuke anti-Semitism um, in all its forms, which is clearly uh, you know a, a, an attack on on Ilhan. This is within her first couple of months in office. Like a month later, um, she's she's talking about the same issue. You know, reporters are asking her about the same issue, and she makes similar comments. Um, not even in it wasn't public. It wasn't on Twitter. It was like in a coffee shop somewhere in D.C. Um, making basically the same criticism with more artful language. Um, she gets hit with another <laughs> another resolution rebuking anti-Semitism. 
um, you know, led by Democratic leadership who, who were in power at the time. Um, so, I mean, my article was basically making the argument that by uh, by buying into this false uh, narrative that any criticism of a human rights abuse, if it happens to be in Israel or if it happens to be about um, you know, the, the lobbying apparatus that helps Israel be, be our, you know, our number, the number one recipient of, of, you know, military funding and, and assistance from the U S year after year, um, is somehow, uh, a criticism against the religion of Judaism, which, um, you know, spreads far beyond the country of Israel and, and around the entire world and to, to, you know, several of, of Omar's colleagues in the house. So this is the, this is the playing field that Democrats themselves built and set up, um, at a time when McCarthy was criticizing him, her, when he wasn't in power so that, you know, now today, two, three, four years later, um, this same argument is actually salient enough to get her removed from that committee when Democrats are not in power, which, um, you know, I don't think that anyone who, again, anyone who's been paying attention should know that this is what eventually was going to happen. Once Republicans took power, they were going to do everything in their, um, you know, within their grasp to attack not only the most vocal progressive women of color in the Democratic Party, but one of the only people on this committee who would speak about uh, hu human rights abuses, either sponsored or um, directly uh Yes. sponsored by or directly um, carried out by the United States on this committee. And they they got what they wanted. Yeah. Yep. There nothing scares them more than a black Muslim refugee who is also a progressive. And a right. Woman. Her who actually survived, <laughs> survived some of the, the conflict that, um, you know, that she's here now trying to, to bring attention to. Um, Which in my mind makes her a goddamn hero. And, and I have to say, like, and this is a weird, maybe a weird thing to say, but to know that like all of your colleagues like voted you off of your position that you were taking seriously, that you were doing hard work on and that, you know, yeah, a couple hundred of your colleagues were like, no, because basically because you're a Muslim woman, you're off of this. These are the same people who have obviously we know Lauren Boebert making an Islamophobic joke about her having a pipe bomb or whatever the hell we know, like in West Virginia early on when Ilhan Omar became uh, a representative and was elected, there was uh, they were hanging posters around West Virginia, like Republican meetings or whatnot that were like Ilhan Omar's face and 9-11 saying we said we wouldn't forget and we have forgotten like really, really hateful stuff. And she's stood up to all of it um and yet still after all this she doesn't no one has her back now someone had her back this is representative um jan shakowski speaking about ilhan omar um and defending her and i just had to play it because i love it my colleagues i stand before you as a proud jew and and a proud friend and colleague of Ilhan Omar. I don't need any of you to defend me against anti-Semitism. My friend Ilhan Omar, we have worked together to the, val the values that I treasure as an American Jew and that she... Sorry, it cuts off, but it, that she treasures. And it's... I just that I need that kind of hope, you know, like here is 
yes, a Jewish lawmaker saying I work well with my Muslim lawmaker and we, these are values that we both share. And, you know, and it's just like more of this needs to be said. And I love her being like, I don't need any of you. Least of all, you fucking anti-Semitic right wingers talking about Jewish space lasers, talking about <laughs> like, like you know coded language like y'all haven't been covering for kanye west who's straight up saying he admires hitler for the past however many months you know like just it's just insane like i do not need your help yeah. defending myself against anti-semitism in fact you are anti-semitic and you're part of the problem and, yeah yeah not to mention you know the 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 party that aided and abetted January sixth and all of the you know very friendly to Judaism people who were who were part of that attack I mean yeah the the hypocrisy is is literally never ending but yeah, Democrats it, apparently can't see that and <laughs> and I just want to say that to your point um, here is Alexandria Ocasio Cortez on CNN eloquently speaking to that point and saying. You know, this is the party also that says um, you're they're being censored constantly. They can't, you know, it's all, uh, you know, they, they believe in free speech, free speech. But what are they doing on this one particular issue? Miller, who, who, who brought forth the resolution um, in discussing it today, really gave the whole game away uh, when he started to equate um, a position that Amnesty International, certain bodies within the UN, even Israeli human rights uh, organizations have been sounding the alarm that the human rights crisis in, in the West Bank and that Palestinians face is, is constituting apartheid. And he equated that position that global human rights organizations have already raised as anti-Semitic. And that right there is the slippery slope that we really need to be paying attention to. Mm. I just love that. I love that because no one calls that the slippery slope. Everyone calls it. No one calls that out and saying that it is actually anti-Semitic to conflate Judaism and the state of Israel the way that everyone, that people do. Um, and that we need to separate those things. Um, anyway, just as a reminder, Israel's killed 35 Palestinians just this year alone, y'all. We're only in a, a week into February, so fun. Yeah, can I, sorry, I just, I, I want to em emphasize that point that I think this is, that is like, and this is in the piece, I interviewed someone from an organization called Jewish Voice for Peace who was like, you know, this is not happening in a vacuum, this is actually um, happening at a time when the mask on Israel's government is totally and completely off. They, their attacks on Palestinians have been more blatant and aggressive than we've seen in a long time. And this is the same time that, you know, U.S. Congress is, is taking this stance, um, this bipartisan stance um, against, against uh, a member of their own party. Yeah. Or their own body. Yeah. Yeah. All right, well, let's move on to the sitch for the week. And Akela, I, I, please, please jump in because I'm so excited um, to welcome our guest who's going to talk to us about Cop City, formerly known as the Institute for Social Justice and Public Safety Training, LOL. Um, this is outside of Atlanta. It is, um, as we will learn, on the edge of the Wilani Forest. And it's going to be used for military-grade training facilities, a mock city to practice urban warfare, dozens of shooting ranges, and a Black Hawk helicopter landing pad. Yay, yay, yay. Um, can we just get fucking healthcare? Um, <laughs> but 
there is a Stop Cop City movement, and um, one of their members, Manuel Tehran, uh, was shot and killed um, a couple weeks ago, shot 13 times, according to a recent autopsy. To, here to talk about that with me, with us, is um, organizer, policy advocate, and writer from Atlanta, Micah Herskind. Thank you so much for joining me. I hope I sort of summarized that correctly. Yeah. Um, and I, I am really really devastated and sorry to hear about the murder of your um comrade yeah yeah and, and can you tell, tell me about manuel and tell me about about what you know of his his killing yeah absolutely um thanks for having me um so so yeah so essentially um manuel who went by tortuguita and actually used um they them pronouns they were a forest defender um, they had been, I didn't know them personally, um, but they had been living in the forest, the Wilani forest that Atlanta is trying to turn into this massive police training center um, for some time. And um, essentially as the forest defense has gone on, the police have upped their raids um, and have been raiding the forest over the past couple months, charging people with domestic terrorism for things like, you know, sitting in trees, criminal trespass, being a known member of an abolitionist movement, um and eventually with the, yeah yeah um eventually what that's a crime right yeah. right um so everyone watch out um and <laughs> you know with their most with their most recent raid on january 18th um that is when they went in and they assassinated Tortuguita. um a lot of the details are unclear they had no body cameras on despite being you know in in 2023 um and you know they've tried to release some stuff very partially that you know tries to paint Tortuguita in a bad light um, and of course, I think course. everybody knows that we'll never know exactly what happened. Um, but this is somebody who had a pretty um, firm commitment to nonviolent struggle and nonviolent resistance. Um, and, you know, of course, anytime police kill people, then they try to, you know, make them this scary domestic terrorist or criminal, you know, after. So, Micah, yeah, I was reading just like that they're trying to allege that Tortuguita shot or had a gun or something like this, which is, I just want to say, completely not an excuse to murder them. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, again, you know, it's it's hard to say, did they have a gun? Did they not have a gun? I don't really care. And I think a lot of people don't no... care. Um, yeah. And, you know, it, because exactly like they marched in there with an army of police officers and they were ready to kill somebody and they did. Um, and you know, that's, that's the story at the end of the day. Tell me about the forest, uh, uh, Wilani forest and like the for defend Atlanta forest, um, which is the same thing as stop cop city. Is that the same movement? Yeah. Yeah. So the movement is super broad and decentralized. There's not like one main organization or leader who's in charge. Um, it's really, everyone is encouraged to, you know, plug in and get involved however you see fit. There's people, you know, all over the world um, who are organizing around this. Um, this is, so this is forest land outside of Atlanta city limits, um, but it's owned by the city of Atlanta. And um, it's really crucial land in terms of, you know, climate change and, you know, just in, you know, having a livable future. This is land that's been referred to as one of the four lungs of Atlanta. So it's really crucial mm. for, you know, Bring, keeping temperatures down, preventing flooding. Um, you know, there's all these various species that live there. So it's this really like important treasure of land um, that in 2021, the Atlanta City Council decided to lease for 50 years for $10 a year 
to the Atlanta Police Foundation, which is this super shady nonprofit um, that, you know, has all of these corporate donors, all these corporate backers, and their plan is to destroy this forest land and turn it into Cop City. $90 million is is the projected. Of course, that's, you can only imagine it will be more than that. Right. Um, So that's just, they just decided that I'm... I wanted to mention it seems like they skipped a few steps and there was supposed to be a public comment period to listen to the Atlantans and, and get their thoughts on whether they wanted to do this and the mayor didn't or city council didn't. Any any updates you can give us? Yeah. So like as soon as this plan went public, like Atlanta residents were against it immediately. The organizing started. Um, and, you know, people were doing all of the things that you do, um, you know, in a movement against something. Um, and on the day of the final vote, they literally, their meeting lasted two days because there were 17 hours of public comment where Atlanta residents were calling in and saying, we don't want this thing. Like nobody, like, first of all, we want the forest. Second of all, this is one year after the 2020 uprisings and the demand was to defund and abolish the police, not to literally create a $90 million playground for them. Um, and so, you yeah. know, people were people were really firmly against it. They tried to do, you know, they had these community listening sessions that were on Zoom where they turned off comments and weren't taking any questions. And, you know, that was like their community input process. It's just been a total sham from the start. And their their sort of shift since then has been to say, oh, everyone who's, you know, talking about Cop City is just an outside agitator. It's just, you know, people coming from outside of Atlanta. Actually, everyone in Atlanta wants this, even though, you know, that's just obviously false. Yeah. Isn't it also, isn't it also like one of the biggest green spaces in a predominantly black neighborhood in Atlanta? Like that's another angle here that it's like one of their, the only green spaces in a black neighborhood. Yeah. 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 This is in a majority black area of Atlanta. It's in DeKalb County. Um, And, you know, obviously environmental racism is, you know, such an important um, topic. And yeah, so the fact that, you know, they're going to, you know, this not as wealthy black part of town to destroy a green space and create this thing instead of going to like Northeast Atlanta, which is super white and super wealthy. And those are the people who actually, you know, supported Cop City. Like, you know, that's, that's of course where they're going. Yeah. I also heard, I'm curious, I, I talked to like one or two organizers who were down there when we were talking about doing a story a while back, but they were mentioning something about the other half of the space which is supposed to be like a production studio for like copaganda films or something to like improve police morale i find that i I wanted to do a story on that for a while but i'm so curious if you could speak to that it's like bizarro world to me yes it's an utter shit show (laughs) and it's you know it's it's a little bit you know there's a lot of details basically there's this forest that you know is in this area part of the land is owned by the city and that's what they're trying to you know destroy and create cop city with the other part of this land is um currently public park land that is owned by DeKalb county and you know there's trails people walk there it's beautiful you know this incredible nature zone um and right now DeKalb county who owns that land is trying to do a land swap with this developer named ryan Millsap. um and his original plan was to take that land and create a hollywood soundstage on it um, it doesn't look like that's what's going to happen anymore. I think he's just going to develop it okay. and put, you know, some, you know, gross high rise apartments or, you know, just something, something like that, that will of course be completely unaffordable. I have no, I, you know, who knows what he's doing, but yes, it's like these two plots of connected land 
DeKalb is trying to let a developer destroy part of it. And Atlanta is trying to let the Atlanta Police Foundation destroy the other part of it. It's just like, yeah, yeah. you know, and these are all Democrats, you know, the party of science, <laughs> right? It, I mean, it would be, a, yeah, no, please leave it to them. They, they care. Um, it would be an abomination if it were just condominium condos right. that were being developed, right. right? Like it would be a problem if you were filling that green space with those high rises anyway, just right. in, in so far as the housing crisis, gentrification and whatnot, but to do this. And it's like, I, I love that. It's like, Oh no, no, no. But it's, it's going to be about like invading foreign countries. Cause it's right. like urban warfare or, or a black Hawk helicopter landing pad, you know, like, there, there, something like this exists in, I believe, New Mexico, where it's like, oh, this is a mock cobble, you know, and you're like, or Nevada, where it's like, you know, well, we just, anyway, where we they practice doing occupation right, right, right. um, and that's the way this is going to be. I mean, as if we needed again, we're in a time of, oh my god, we don't need more police training. Right. Oh my god, it's not about having a fucking playground to act out your violence, um. Can you can we just go back to Tortuguita though? What yeah. is being what do you know of what's being done now? Um, what are people calling for? Mm -hmm. And do you know how long they were living in the forest? That's like a lot of questions. Yeah, but... I'm not sure how long they were living in the forest. I think it was quite some time, but I'm not sure. Um, in terms of what people are calling for, so the it was it's it wasn't just one police force that killed them. It was this joint task force that had Atlanta Police Department, DeKalb Police Department, the Georgia State Patrol, the Georgia Bureau of Investigation, the FBI, like literally all of these police agencies are part of this thing, including the GBI. And go figure, the GBI is the one who is investigating the shooting. And, you know, they, they've been all over Twitter, like responding to people being like, this shooting was justified. And it's like, okay, so you're you you are you're part of the task force that did it. You're already saying it's yeah. justified and you're also investigating it. Um, and so part of Georgia Bureau of Investigation, is that what GBI is? GBI. Um, yeah. Okay. Our little state FBI. Um, yeah, cute. Right. Um, and so, you know, one of the demands is essentially in, in a totally independent investigation of what happened and really the turning over of all evidence um, to the lawyers for Tortuguita's family. They held a press conference actually yesterday and discussed some of the results of the, um, the second autopsy that they had completed, which again showed that Tort had been shot 13 times. Um, and so, yeah, there's a demand to, you know, turn over all evidence. Um, and then, you know, more broadly, of course, to drop the domestic terrorism charges against the protesters, I believe there have been 19 people charged with domestic terrorism. Um, and then also, you know, yes. to, to stop Cop City, you know, in, in honor of what Tort was fighting for. I mean, it, it, it's the same thing that happens around the world and specifically in the rest of the Americas, right? Which is environmental activists are always the first ones who are murdered in and um, forgotten about, right? Yeah. You can, you know, you can gun down... Um, and usually it's for, you know, exploitation of natural resources, whatnot. In this in this uh, country, our resource is uh, military weaponry and cops. So uh, that's our resource that we um, will stop at nothing to build and create. Um, and no matter what environmentalist is, is in the way. And so it's just like, I mean, you read about this and you're like, oh, okay, where did that happen? Did that happen in like Ecuador with like Berta Cáceres? Did it happen in Venezuela, Colombia? But when you see someone being shot 13 times in this country i mean yeah that's this is what we do all over so i mean my i'm like you know yeah 
it's very, very upsetting. And, and, and I also want to know is there, what else can you add or, or how can we support the like stop in cop city? Do you think there's a chance or is it, is it already like, what state is it at of being built? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think 100%, if anything, the movement is growing. Um, you know, I mm -hmm. think that they thought back in September, 2021, when they approved the legislation, that that was the end of it. Um, and, you know, they wanted to start construction, you know, that year or early 2022. And here we are, you know, at the beginning of 2023 and, you know, nothing, you know, it, it hasn't started yet. And so, um, you know, the movement's going strong. I think there are, there are so many ways for people to get involved, whether you're in Atlanta or not. Um, StopCopCitySolidarity.org is a great um, is a great site to go where there are people calling on all of the corporate funders um, of the project to you know pull out sixty million dollars of private money going into the facility um, and then thirty million dollars of public money and so you know there's ways to contact the the corporations there's ways to contact um, the contractors who are working on the project and they've already actually gotten two different contractors to pull out of it basically saying like mm. look the city can council can pass this thing if they want but you still need contractors to build it and you know we're gonna pressure contractors to like not contribute to this devastating project um, and so yeah there's yes. tons of ways to get involved that's great that that I'm that's excellent and um I have one more question yeah. and I'm blanking on what that was um but yeah Kayla any any last thoughts on this yeah I I would just I mean I I had not even seen the news about the autopsy for Tortuguita and I think that just underscores Francesca's point that the coverage of their killing has been yes. um it's gone really quiet since the GBI stepped in. And right. I think um, it's, I mean, yeah, it's just hor horrific and more of the same, yes. you know, it's just very sad. And let me just, yeah. Let yeah, me just I oh, sorry. <clears throat> let me just say on that point, yeah. um, you know, one of the reasons that especially the local coverage has been so bad is that, our, so one of our main outlets here is the Atlanta Journal Constitution or the AJC, and they are owned by this company called Cox Enterprises. And the CEO of mm. Cox Enterprises is leading the fundraising campaign for $60 million for Cop City. And so our media wow. is literally owned by the people who are trying to build Cop City. And it's just resulted in, you know, such terrible local coverage. They never disclose it. And, you know, then they'll add it later that they're owned by Cox Enterprises. So, you know, the, the local media scene has just been really bleak. That is, that either. no, yeah, that is a bad. crucial point. <laughs> and then the other crucial point is, you know, this is, um, this is like, yeah, you're talking about a Democratic mayor, correct? Yep. Um, and it also doesn't fit into the narrative that the right likes to cover, right? It's not a Democratic city where the problems are, you know, people pooping on the streets. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's like, no, de a Democratic mayor is overseeing the gunning down of a protester. Like, yes. So it has yet to acknowledge gonna... it in any way, you know, right. Like he put out a statement about Tyree Nichols and it just, of course, rings so hollow for you to talk about police violence in another city while you are literally presiding over the murder of a person here by the police. I remember what I wanted to do, which is show how much the movement is actually scaring the cops, because here's some of the weaponry. Uh, if you're listening, um, well, I'll describe it in a second. Here's here's what they're rolling out. Yeah, all 
like just watching that footage and it is footage of like armored vehicles looks like crowd control um but then you see um bulldozers and machinery that is meant to remove forest and trees and like you gotta say my heart is hurting a little bit just after hearing about the forest hearing how important it is and then they're gonna just strategically and methodically bulldoze it and fucking like you know yeah raise it right um and so yeah there there you have it it's just another kind of like standing rock but like make it even more meta right right (laughs) um because of what it is being built to do but anyway everybody go to what was it i have stopcopcitysolidarity.org stopcopcitysolidarity.org uh micah herskin thank you so much for joining us um i will offer you do you want to stay on for our final balloon segment I don't think I'm I don't think I'm witty enough to be a part of the balloon conversation. I'm gonna I'm gonna show you. Oh, I think you are. (laughs) All right. Well next time we'll get you on the, you know. But but thank you so much for joining us. You're wonderful and and keep up the awesome work and please let's check in about like this movement in the in in the short months ahead. Absolutely. Um, Thanks. (laughs) All right, take care. Yes, the balloon conversation, not for everyone, Akela. It's quite Sort of, a, you know, sort of flies over the head of many, pun intended. Um, yeah, let's talk about it. Let's get into it. Um, God, switching gears. I'm just fucking livid learning about more about Cop City and what and all that shit. But yeah, it's also yeah, it's horrible. I mean, it's like a morale. It's supposed to be a morale booster because so many people are resigning from the police force. It's like okay, yeah. <laughs> Exactly. It just means they're going to hire more domestic abusers. Like, it just yeah. it means they're going to hire more crazies. Like, yeah. the hiring drive is still there. They're just going to lose good people. Yeah. Um. Anyway, uh, we got, let's move on to this. So, of course, this was the week of the Chinese spy balloon. You didn't think I wasn't going to mention it. Um. There it was, flying high, 60,000 feet in the air, soaring, soaring, until this happened. They just shot it. A single missile fired by a jet fighter See the smoke coming from it? Ended the brief spectacular life of the Chinese balloon. The brief and spectacular life of the Chinese balloon. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> I just love my favorite. Um, so, yes, learning more about the balloon, guys. Can we just, like, the, here's a graphic from NBC, if you're listening. They are comparing a Thanksgiving parade Snoopy balloon, this is not a joke, to the Chinese spy balloon, then to a Boeing 77 to prove that that was one big balloon. <laughs> that just like a absolute unit of a I spy the, balloon. I love the assumption that somebody has a point of reference for what a Boeing, the height of a Boeing 747 tilted on its side. Yeah. Like, oh yeah, nobody. you've seen that. <laughs> just like nobody has seen that i hope that, that is just, that is what the poster of like soul plane remember that movie it was like yeah. Yeah, just like riding on <laughs> like i totally know the height of a boeing 7747 um so there it is the big old chinese balloon now apparently it's serious maybe like the okay so here we have to go we have to say why it's serious the balloon, <laughs> according to Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin, said it was being used to surveil strategic sites in the continental U.S. It was traversed Alaska, Canada, re-entered the U.S. airspace over Idaho, 
uh, and it was detected over Montana. And it's like, come on, really? So they say that it, it it could be dangerous. China in the past has boasted its military use of stratospheric balloons before. The newspaper cited, Financial Times cited a military channel of the country state broadcaster, CCTV, which aired a report in 2018 that claimed a, quote, high-altitude balloon-tested hypersonic missiles. That being said, I'm just learning that actually the United States is investing like something like $30 million or something like this into our own fleet of balloons, Akela. We've got our own. We're trying. There's there's what's been called a balloon gap between the United States and China because that's how ridiculous our Cold War with China is it has become and the greatest um, minds of our generation <laughs> float another balloon <laughs> so what wh here's the question here's the question there's a game everybody in the comments everybody listening would you have popped this balloon as president biden did this is pop or not <music> pop or not akela no no, I would not have popped it. And I'll tell you why. Because this has been, this has given, brought joy to <laughs> across the United States. It's like, it's almost like if the Thanksgiving Day Parade was simultaneously happening in every state <laughs> at the same time. People are trying to figure out where the balloon is. It's bringing people together. Yes. It's action, it's a form of entertainment. And frankly, if China wants to send a missile and kill us all, they're going to do it one way or another so i'm i'm here to enjoy this while. this is it's like george santos floating sixteen thousand miles above us just like there it is you know it's like you don't want the george santos balloon to pop either no. you don't want this balloon to pop no it's too I'm, good i'm no pop <laughs> i understand why he had to do it and of course i say don't i don't first of all i'm one of those people that doesn't like the sound of a popping balloon because uh, I am a little baby child. And so I'm like, Allie. So I have to say, always don't pop balloons. Just let it slowly, slowly deflate in the corner of your room until it's just one of like a little like squidgy mush. Um, <laughs> that's that's the right answer. But we know that this, of course, happened before because it was funny because, you know, when you like know the discourse is bad, but you don't see the discourse being bad. So you're like, is it bad? But the right freaked out about it jd vance posting a photo of him like with a gun like cocked at the sky and you know just the most ridiculous <laughs> republicans freaking out that this oh my god biden and the balloon when in fact right under trump china also floated multiple balloons um and like nothing was done about it but it's like how could you not like the bull it's funny it's fun yeah just surveil it's fine it's not a drone we fly drones over people's heads um, I much prefer the balloon. China says it's they're looking out for like weather patterns. I don't know. Yeah. They're they're concerned about how much uh climate destruction we're doing over here. <laughs> Absolutely. They're like, we could put a high speed rail right through here and then win every election from here until eternity. Yeah. Um they're looking at Montana, man. It's beautiful there. They want a view. It's like you know, I think it's probably one of those, like, you know how you can, like, live cam into Yosemite and see what's going on at all times, like, you know, in certain areas? It's a great thing to do. I feel like that was, like, us with the balloon. The Chinese were like, I wonder what's going on in Montana. And they just, like, live stream from balloon. They're just um, fans of Yellowstone, you know? They're just trying to see what it's all about. 
exactly exactly <laughs> it, it's it's sad it's sad and i it is definitely that moment though yeah we, we it brings us together there's nothing like putting something in the sky a floating thing in the sky will bring us together it doesn't make any noise it's adorable i'd say they should float another one but make it like make it pretty yeah um but there you go there's my take on the balloon there's our take on the balloon um Oh, well, we'll probably start World War III over a fucking balloon. That's definitely happening. Like, how did it begin? Well, there was a balloon. It all began with a balloon. I remember that day. Um, we'll tell our grandchildren about the balloon. Uh, Akela Lacey, thank you so much for being on the show. Where can people find you and follow your work? Uh, at Akela underscore Lacey. No E. Um, and yeah, at theintercept.com, I write a lot and yeah, thank you for having me. This was the most fun part of my day. So <laughs> hell yeah. Happy to oblige. Come back anytime. I've been trying to get you on for a while. For the I record. know we finally did it now. This now we'll have smooth sailing, but yeah. Okay. Thank good. you. <laughs> sailing like a balloon. Um, for now. All right. Take good care. Thank you so much. And thank you all for being here. You freaktastic frantifa sorry um i'm super excited uh that you decided to join me for this afternoon and we there's more show with me doing a bonus we're talking about again surrogate wombs in dead brain dead women and massachusetts is floating a bill to offer prisoners less time if they donate their organs we'll get into it but first some comments from all y'all robert thank you so much for your super chat says franny being socially aware politically active and extremely adorable for over an hour <laughs> a fat guy named tiny on twitch says copernicus was gravity thank you and rock and roll forever saying the earth revolved around the sun galileo okay s supposedly um Alvin Farias on YouTube, preventative Medicare, medical and regular house calls like in Cuba is very rare. Even in developed countries in Brazil, we have public health system. But if you want to be attended, you need to you need to go to a clinic. That's fine. But like a little baby who has a very volatile nap schedule. That's all I want. That's all I want. I just want them to come to me and I don't want to have to use an app for it. Um, nasty ho dragon. Thank you. On Twitch says, Fran, I saw you in SF at Piano Fight Bar. You were the funniest and the coolest there. See? See? It happened. There's proof. Not in video or audio version, but there is proof. Thank you so much for coming out. Appreciate it. Taco B says, socialists are hiding in my house. Yes, absolutely they are. Steve Patel, thank you for your super sticker. Um, Northside Yank says, Ilhan Omar also didn't deny the Holocaust like Marjorie Taylor Greene. There's a big difference. Ah, indeed. Um Eileen Posner says, I'm a Jew that and did not get that she used an anti-Semitic trope. I know she criticized Israel's policies. Isn't that free speech? Yeah, Eileen, you'd be right. There was no, everything is a trope if you choose to see it as a trope, right? And they choose to see everything as an anti-Semitic trope because that is part of that agenda of getting us to ignore any Israeli war crimes. Um, Ralph Tortugid on YouTube says, I met Tortugida last summer and we talked. And they made it clear to me that they were as they were as peace path as me, and I'm a Quaker. So cops lie when they say tort shot at cops. Yes, I, I, I had to mention that, but like it also seems insanely implausible that they that they would have had a gun. Um, 
Because why? Because usually environmental protesters, especially tree sitters, that is their defense, is their body. That is what they're doing. They are putting their body on the line to save that forest, to save the trees, right? The Lorax didn't have a fucking gun, y'all. The Lorax just spoke for the trees. And that's what environmental activists uh, and climate justice activists do. Um, bad lefty. I'm 10 minutes behind, but damn, Jeffries is such a poor Obama impression. So bad. But I like the way he spells out what he's saying. And I just want to draw a little figure. Anyway, SNL will steal that. Um, Gary Cooper, thanks so much. Good guests today, Francesca. Thank you. Um, let's see. Cowardly Viking on Twitch. Imagine how much money they could have made by selling ad space of that balloon. Everyone was watching it. <laughs> it was really high. But maybe, maybe. It was incredibly high in the air. But maybe if the banner had sort of dropped, you know, vertically... That could have worked. Um, and with that, guys, for the patrons of $10 more, for all the people who support this show, of course, we have the fart song. Ray McDermott, Mugly Wumple, thank you for upping your pledge, Mugly. You're wonderful. Claire Byer, stop, stop. Claire? Oh my God, that's my homie, that's my friend. <laughs> Thank you to the Twitch subs. Here they are. Um, ZX227 resubscribing for one month of tier one. Says Francesca, thank you so much for keeping me informed. Will make me laugh. Long live the Frantifa. Fuck yeah. Willie Gus resubscribing for one month of tier one. Thank you for being subscribed for 25 months. Nerdo Pythia subscribed with Prime. Bienvenidos. Um, the Jukesters resubscribing with Prime uh, for one month of tier one. Five months you've been subscribed. And Dory B resubscribing with at tier one saying six months of enjoying the marvelous head bitch hell yeah that is me uh, get used to it motherfuckers um and thank you to everyone who makes this show possible to Paige omek to maximilian inhoff to andy vasoyan we stream every tuesday 1 p.m pacific 4 p.m eastern on youtube and twitch follow the show at bituation pod on twitter at franny fio on instagram and tiktok and remember y'all fight the power fuck the patriarchy and don't just bitch about it be about it later